0: Blog Talk Radio Good
1: evening Mets fans and on this week's episode we'll be talking about and focusing on the Mets pitching situations and the pros and cons so far this season. Okay, sorry for the little delay. Uh, we're good, and so we're gonna go straight into our weekly awards. So we're gonna start with our MVP. And Sal, who would you say our MVP is this week? Hmm. Um, so basically, I'm gonna give my um, what's called? I'm gonna give my um MVP right now. I'm gonna go with Jeff McNeil, Jeff McNeil's getting on base constantly. He's been getting hits. He had that- <laughs>
0: We had some just. All right, we're back. We just had some uh, problems connecting in, but we're good. So we're going to uh, jump right into our MVP. So, um. Okay. Okay. I think we got it this time. <laughs> All right. So after some just uh, some problems connecting and whatnot, we're back. We're gonna jump right into our MVPs here. And Tim was explaining it before he got uh, cut off by the music. So go ahead, Tim.
1: So basically, I was saying our MVP of this uh, this, this year so far would have to go to or no, this week would go to McNeil. My point: McNeil's been getting on base. here, that little season or little um mishap where he struggled for a little bit, but um. I th- I think he's, I think he's doing the best on the mets right now. I think Fordo and him are definitely leading the team in uh, offensive wise, am I right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, Cano Cano broke out, you know, these past couple of weeks. You know, he's 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 been all right but compared to the way he started off. You know, I'd say he's he's batted about three hundred these past uh, this past like week or so. You know, compared to yeah. like he was all he was batting under two hundred at one point during the year. So, you know, this is you know big up up. Hopefully he keeps this up. 'Cause honestly I'd rather him hit I mean, i rather him bat three hundred than hit for a thirty home runs <laughs> and bat like two forty, let's say. You know. Mm-hmm. Especially with a Met's team with Nemo and McNeil who don't have a lot of power. You know, I feel like you know, you could have you could have someone like Cano hit thirty home runs but then he'll bat two fifty. But um yeah. yeah, I'd I'd probably i I'd give my M V P for this week to Robinson Cano. Yeah
1: oh yeah, so, I think other than him getting hit the other day. I think um, he's been doing pretty well lately, um, but he can't control getting hit against the Cardinals, which I, which yeah. technically it wasn't hit, it wasn't hit by pitch. The umpire no. thought it went off the bat and all that. So yeah, it, it was. Yeah,
0: that's that's it was a home yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, would, I definitely agree. Robinson Cano has been doing very well. And um, what's called, yeah. So we're gonna jump in straight to next ward. Who would you give your eye on to this uh, week? I think it's pretty
0: obvious. But is this yeah? Is this even a, even a question? We'll we'll give it to Jason Vargas. I'm just kidding. Um, we'll give it to Zach Wheeler. Came in, you know, pitched great, <laughs> seven innings, and then the, even the outing before that, you know, everyone's talking about in the last one, he came in and pitched I uh, five or six innings, only allowing one or one or two runs, and he pitched, He's been just been pitching, you know, just consistent, solid baseball. You know, the bullpen's also been stepping up, which we'll be talking about later. But I'd give it to Zach Wheeler, not just for not just for that last start, but for these last, uh, like, three or four starts, just consistently mm-hmm. being good and giving a solid outing.
1: I could definitely agree on that. Jason Vargas did have a pretty good outing yesterday against the Phillies, which he did not deserve the loss. But, of course, I have to give it to my man, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler pitched an amazing game, five hits in seven innings, along, zero earned runs, zero walks, and 11 strikeouts. That's just crazy, in my opinion. And not only did that uh, – not only did he contribute on the offensive – or er, pitching side – not trying to get into the uh, hitter of the week, but Zach Wheeler went two for three with a home run, a double, and three RBI. So that that was a career game for Zach Wheeler, and I'm just outstanding on how we did that game.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that was um, heavy, but that he walked. You know, he didn't walk anyone. Um, you know, which you saw at the beginning of the year, there was a point where he walked four. I think I believe three or four people in a row at the beginning of the year, first couple of starts, and you know that was a big concern. Not just with Wheeler, but the whole pitching staff. We were giving up a lot of walks and a lot of pass balls. Which was, you know, definitely a problem. But these past couple of starts, especially the last one, he didn't give up any walks, so that's always good to see. And we'll go right into um, reliever. of the, uh, so, of the week. Um, so let's yours.
1: I would definitely have to give mine to. Uh, um, this is actually a tough one, but Edwin Diaz has been doing great. He didn't get as much action this week, but like in the whole, in the whole, like last week, he's he's been doing great. He just Anytime he goes into the game, I'm not worried a single bit. But I also have to give my reliever of the year to, or uh, week, I'm sorry, to Jacob Rame. Jacob, not only did Jacob Rame. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Jacob Rame. We'll get into talking about him as, later to the towards the episode. But um, yeah, I'm very happy Jacob Rame did that. But um, going into the reliever of the year, I would definitely have to give it to um, Edwin Diaz once again.
0: I'd um I'd give mine to Robert Gazelman on this one, you know, he did have that bad outing. Um I really wouldn't consider it a bad outing with uh, the diving balls to canoe and the both yeah. were very playable but both were um especially the canoe one, I think he he watched it and uh, if you watched it almost oh. like he he thought it was just a simple ground ball and didn't realize he had to dive for it until it was um too late. So you know, and then the one before that, Teresario, both diving plays. I think those 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 are you know, he's not gonna strike someone on every play. You know, those are like you know, that's as good as it's gonna get. So I feel like you know, the Mets have gotta make those plays. You know, and that's been a that's been a theme throughout this year that their defense hasn't been hasn't been one of the best. So I, I'd give my two examples. Though we also pitched great, and again, in, against, in uh, St. Louis too.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that. But um, I think we're gonna go right into our mailbag now. So, um, Benson, uh, is there any questions we got this week?
2: Yeah. So, our uh, first question this week is uh, about some non-Mets players for Mets Now. Who's your favorite non-Met player currently? All right. Do you want to take this one, Sal?
0: Um. Sure. Well probably give mine to I'll get some probably some slacklist I'd say maybe Ozzy Albies you know he gets uh he's, he's overshadowed by Acuna but you know he's um he's an exciting young player to watch he's fast he doesn't have as much power with his contact he's got he plays with heart he plays with hustle you know he was signed to a big extension but definitely a good deal by the Braves and uh you know, so hopefully, because you see what guys, you know, once they get their money, they almost, uh, they really don't care. So hopefully, really, yeah, as a baseball fan, I really wish that doesn't happen to him. You know, I really just uh, wish the best of luck. So who who do you, who's, who is your favorite non-Met?
1: Um, obviously, this is a generic answer, but I'm going to have to give mine to probably Mike Trout. Mike Trout is from New Jersey, and that's where I'm from. He's just a great guy overall, but isn't cocky at all, doesn't let the media get to him. Doesn't let his comparisons to all these MLB greats get to him. He's just a humble player who is definitely the best in this generation, and I respect that
0: of him. Yeah, I I almost forgot. Um, I'm not even Bartolo Colon. He's not on the Mets. Oh. he's not even on a team. We we almost forgot. Come on, come on. We almost forgot right. there. Um, but really though, he really does any team he plays for. He really when he pitches, if he's on your team, you know. Luckily, we, me and Tim, we were able to watch him for three years. Um, when he was on the yep. Mets. Yeah, I really was like, he really he gave you a good start, and you really enjoyed just watching him. You know, he's been on so many teams. He's, you know, he's really just a good, he's just a fun baseball player to watch, really. I
1: will definitely say I would agree with
2: Bartolo and all that, but Bethany, do you have any more questions? Yeah, one more question that's from Mets' uh, analysis Among McNeil, Nemo, and Rosario, who has the greatest chance of becoming an All Star?
0: I'll take Tim, uh, you
2: take uh,
1: this one, and then I'll go. I'll, I would definitely say um, McNeil has the best chance. Rosario, um, I think seven errors already. That, that, that's just crazy. He has multiple games with more than two errors. So I'd say, no matter how well he does for the rest of the season, his errors are just going to be killing him. Like you can't have more than two. You can have more than like a game or two with. More with more, more than one error in both games. And both were critical in situations against the Phillies, against the Cardinals. And, yeah, so maybe it was his flu yeah. symptoms that he had. But i definitely say um, he has no shot. And McNeil, he's just been doing great. He has an on-base percentage out of this world. He's been getting on base. He's been hitting the ball very well. And, yeah, um, Nimmo has had a little shaky start. um, But, yeah, he's, he's beginning to come back and all that. So I'm glad everything's coming together. But I don't care how many all-stars we have as long as it translates to a playoff appearance for the Mets once again since for the first time since 2016,
0: and that wasn't her best run. Yeah, you um, know, <clears throat> he picked um an interesting group of Mets, you know, Nemo, Rosario, McNeil, all young guys. But I feel like McNeil statistically does have the best chance. I feel like Nemo just might have that slight edge because he's more he's more known, and you know he has <laughs> he has a big reputation of you know being that you know happy-go-lucky guy, which I think attracts a lot more attention than more like McNeil does who's just more of a you know grind out baseball player. It doesn't get as much doesn't get as much as much attention as uh Nemo does. But you know, you brought up with um Rosario and his defensive liability and you know what shocks me most is that out of all the guys on the team, I thought he'd be you know, I feel like mm-hmm. him Conforto um, you know, mcneil has been really um showing up in left field, but you know, him Conforto and like Nemo, I feel like you I feel like those are gonna be the like, three guys that were Hello, baseball fans. This is Blake here from the Rattle Up Podcast, your number one source for weekly DVx highlights, recaps, and analysis. Join us right here this Friday, tomorrow, at eight Pacific or eleven Eastern time for this week's episode, where we break down the Dbacks' recent sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates, key performers, and what to take away from the series. On top of that, we'll recap how the National League West is stacking up as we approach the month of May. I'll get you back to this show, but remember, stop by right here tomorrow night, eight Pacific, eleven Eastern, for this week's episode of the Rattler Podcast. You won't you won't want to miss it.
1: Okay, so we're back, and you were once again interrupted, but um. I believe we are in the middle of talk about Rosario, but um, I think we're gonna jump into Ramos's defensive struggle. So, um, what's your take on this now?
0: Yeah, um, you can hear me right, Tim. We were having a problem before. We just this whole website. We're just having some uh, mix up with you can hear me right. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I see. Uh, you know, as much. That's why I preferred um Grandal, even with the signing. That you know, you have <laughs> um. um it has its um, give and take, you know, signing don't like Ramos, who's a good hitter. You know, he gets on base a lot, but he's not going to be stretching any singles into doubles. You know, he's had some problems, you know, trying to get um, some fast balls. And there was, um, I believe I think it was the second, yeah, it was the last game of the series in Philadelphia. And there was Ramos on the mound when he got into that jam. And he, he threw a wild pitch, but I feel like if Darno was back there, was get that pretty good for the, the the guy the guy his size? You know, but again, I would have rather had someone like Roundal who's more well-rounded. You know, he's not a speedster, but you know, behind the plate, you know, he's a he's a lot better. Plus, you know, Ramos is still getting, um, pretty much still getting, you know, not still still getting like into like with those guys. Yeah, that makes no sense, but still getting still getting to know all the pitchers. He's, do they like it? so that combines his defensive liability, is you know if but he does have a good arm so like do you think the pros outweigh the cons Tim or do you think it's uh, a cost for concern?
2: Um,
1: Wilson Ramos for the most part has been a great bat on the offensive side. He's been like two ninety. Didn't have the great night He didn't have the greatest night last night, putting up three strikeouts, one short of the Golden Sombrero. But um, what's he called um, yeah, I would definitely say um. Guys like Yasmani Grandal were considerable in the off season. We let that go, but overall Wilson Ramos hasn't been too bad of a catcher. He's let a few pass balls go by him, as you said earlier. But I think just I think just the chemistry between all of our pitchers. Our pitchers are pretty good. They have pretty nasty off speed, including Degrom and so guard's fastball is pretty hard to catch when you have 100 miles per hour, 80 miles per hour, it's just 85 coming from his off speed. So it's kind of hard. I think the chemistry will start to kick in mid season or hopefully sooner. But yeah, I think yeah. It's just a lack of mystery going on lately. But hopefully we everything gets down and everything will be good by um mid May and all that. Hopefully earlier.
0: Yeah, um so we're going to um jump into our next topic here, which is going to be the uh the Mets resurgence of pitching. How the Mets, you know, at the beginning of the year we had some struggles at uh, one point leading the National League in the RAM but now only behind, um, only behind Philadelphia – or Washington, excuse me. But, you know, now we've stepped it up, with Wheeler and Matt San Vargas actually pitching um, relatively well, at least for their standards. Um, you know, but we still have – and the ball Also, so I'm picking it up. So do you see um, anyone almost not playing as good as they're supposed to right now, Tim, or not up to their standards?
1: Um, obviously Degrom, but we we were told um his elbow's been barking lately, and that's why his, everything has been a little shaky for him lately, and that's why his starts have been a little off. He is returning tomorrow for or hopefully tomorrow against the Brewers. hasn't been confirmed yet, but hopefully it is because I'm going to the game tomorrow. But yeah, he's definitely not living up to standards, but I can't be too hard on him. <clears throat> but um, I would definitely say he's not living up to standards. But um, what's called Wheeler started the season off a little shaky, but with that last start or two, definitely that last start, I'm definitely starting to gain confidence back in Wheeler. He's cut down the walks as he had zero walks last game, and yeah, he's just learning to go back to his old self going up seven innings, which he hasn't done once this season, which I'm very impressed with. And um, guys in the bullpen, Familia, what's he doing? Familia has only had probably one or two good outings out of the bullpen, which is just crazy because we signed him for a pretty big contract, and it's just kind of sad how he has been blowing a few games, blowing games against teams we should beat. Nothing bad too bad has happened so far, but I'd say definitely Familia's not living up to his standards as a Met. But yeah, um hopefully we can get old Familia back but just have him as a one ending guy, but Mickey cannot use him as a two ending guy because we tried that once this season, it just didn't work. But um yeah, him Justin Wilson's a little shaky. Seth Lugo a little shaky, but nothing too 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 bad to concern about um Bargas we are getting what we expect out of him but yeah overall everything's good. So um Sal has been is um been um Yeah um, I'm,
0: you're back, Yeah you're I'm back. back. I don't know. We've had some are okay. having a lot of problems today with just connecting and this whole website. Um sorry about that guys. We we really, it's not really it's not really just me you know my finger flipping me. It's, we're just having some problems on the other end. But hopefully this should be good now. So, um mm-hmm.
1: yeah, as, as you were saying before, uh, continue. Oh, yeah, I was, I was just saying guys in our bullpen like Familia and, like, Lugo and all of them have been, like, haven't been too bad lately, but they haven't been living up to my standards I've been hoping them to, like, live up to. And if they can't get to those standards, I don't see us making the postseason this year because we need a great bullpen to shut down. We can't allow our bullpen to blow any games, maybe one or two, but... That's not what I want. I want our starters to be responsible for everything if we lose. But our, I want our bullpen to be top notch and just be able to get out of like one inning. And we need pitchers to go one inning, just one inning for the day. We need um some pitchers just to pitch point one innings, just to get out that lefty. But instead, like we're like walking them, we're letting up base hits, extra base hits, as a matter of fact. But yeah, we just need to get these outs and like take it one out at a time, just to get these batters out in the late innings. So your fresh arm out of the bullpen, we're using you just to get that out. And if we can't do it, we, we're not making the a as Simple as that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you talked about Guard. how he wasn't been up to a standard. And he does this um, most years. Like the beginning of the year, if got, he doesn't have it very well. The second half, really, to the year, you know, his last – the last ten starts of his um, – um, the last sentence of last year was, I believe, a sub 2 ERA. Don't fact check me on that. But since um, he really does, um, <laughs> some people are just like that. You know, the Grom, you know, as 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 good as he was, you know, going into the all star rate, Kim and. Sure. Um, Can't
2: hear you.
1: All right, so um, basically, if you guys can hear me, I don't think you guys can, but um, basically, I think our bullpen, we need to have a good bullpen. As I said before, Edwin Diaz has been doing a great job lately, but um, what's called? Familia has been a little shaky. Wilson has been a little shaky, but everyone in our bullpen has been a little shaky right now, but hopefully everyone gets back on track. But, um, yeah, so it's it's a big part.
0: Yeah, you know, I was talking before 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 I got disconnected again. You know, Cindergaard is a you know second half pitcher, and so was Degrom, where he ensured they were almost tied, for um for pretty much signing voting at least at at the point like they were same way. Alright, about two point three going to the all star break, but Degrom really broke ahead. That's where Sindergaard almost got a sub three away. I think he finished with like three point oh one or three point one, almost getting this 3 yeah. They're they're both um, second half pitchers. You know, Wheeler again. His best part of the year was the second half. He led the, he led the NL in lowest ERA. It was on the ground. It was real at 1.48. That was real R A. Um in the second half. So these guys are just, you know, the best is generally just a second half team. So, you know, as good as we do in the beginning, we kind of slow around here May, June, July. And then we pick it back up in August and September. So I am not very worried, especially how close and yeah, at least it is again. I'm, I'm surprised. I, you know, I knew it was gonna be close, but I didn't really, I really didn't expect it to be this close. Especially even though it's 25 mm-hmm. games. You know, no matter how good with Phillies, but I believe are 13-10. or 13-11. Uh, you know, Washington. 11. Yeah, Washington's, uh I think they have oh, 10 or 11 wins. but They're only two games behind. You know, I honestly really didn't expect it to be this close. I thought by now, you know, at least one, one team would have a at least a three-game lead. You know, I've really, I really never seen this in baseball before where four teams are this close statistically and talent-wise and they're all having the same problem, which is pitching and bullpen. Like, all four teams are producing offensively and all four teams are struggling, like, pitching. Like, it's purely it's strange how each team is doing right now. So, I'm, I'm not, you know, I feel like, you know, with the Syndergaard and on those guys, you know, I'm not worried. But let's actually get to the point... Let's actually get back to the point of the guys who were, you know, actually pitching decently and actually pitching, you know, over our standards. Who would you say has been pitching really well these last couple of games? Um,
1: Max, Max has been a little shaky. He had that one outing where he did pretty well, um, lately. Um, but Wheeler's been doing, Wheeler's been bouncing back from his bad first starts fast. Um, Our our whole starting rotation has been – everyone's been in a little bit of a slump lately, if it it was at the beginning of the season or if it's DeGrom who had a little bit of an injury. But I think everyone's, like, starting to get back on track right now. I think if DeGrom gets a good start tomorrow, I'll get everyone going and all that. So, yeah, I I could definitely see everyone just, like, coming back together, and that would be helpful as we are in – four teams are, like, all close still – Fourth place team is one and a half games back, but I I have nothing to complain right now. We've had a really tough schedule and play really tough teams other than the Marlins, but everyone else has been playing very easy teams, like such as the the everyone's been playing easy teams but us. We have a very tough first two months schedule, yeah. so if, if we can go like above five hundred in this first two months and go into like the White Sox, the Royals, the Orioles series, like. With a good record already, that'll just put us ahead of everyone. But I think we're pitching very well against these very uh, what's called good teams. But we can't be too hard on our pitchers because the Cardinals have top 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 five offense. Phillies have like top offense in the league. Braves have a pretty good offense. Nationals, pretty solid offense. So these are pretty good offenses that we aren't doing too bad if you really look at it closely. But as I said we definitely need to learn how to like pitch against better competition and all that. So. I think if we get that down, we're, we're able to beat teams like this all the time. That'll just be insane, and that'll definitely put us on top in the NL
0: East as long as our bullpen stays on top. Yeah, you know we're actually, um you know, unless they're playing, you know, uh, about to play they're playing Milwaukee tomorrow, and I, they had to, I believe it's an off day, you know, playing this Saturday. Yeah. Um You know, Milwaukee's actually usually a team we beat up on in the past. We won the series against them last year, so I'm not too nervous. About this, you know, as you then we're going to be facing, you know, Grandal as you said before. So I want to see. Also, I'm looking forward to that series of how Grandal and Ramos compares. You know, almost which, which one we could have, had, you know, especially behind the plate if Grandal says anyone out. You know, same thing for Ramos. You um, also want to see how Familia and Lugo play during the series. You know, I feel like for both of them, they could use a nice. Because you know, Gazelman had those games. I do not blame. I feel like Guzmán—he pitched really well against um, the Phillies. I, I still think that was a good, good bullpen for him. You know, when he came in, I think that was just some defensive liabilities, are plays that should have been made. Um, and you know, you know, he and also against St. Louis. You know, for you know, Wilson pitched um, just came decently throughout the whole year before he got injured. Um, you know, DS has just been light out the whole year. So we, we still need that contract from Lugo and Familia. But we actually – we always play really well against um, the Brewers. And, again, we, we always face Christian Yelich because he's in Miami for the, all those years. So I, I don't I don't want to see how he plays. But, you know, we're used to him at this point. So I feel like – you know, I feel like Milwaukee is a big series, especially because, you know, we're not going to play any NLV games for a long time. So I feel like these next three games or this next um, home series – is they're going to be big because while these have to pray, teams like Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Washington lose all their games and we need to win. We have to at least win every single series. And hopefully, especially against Milwaukee, because, you know, those are like coming right out of versus Philadelphia, those are some big three games.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, Milwaukee is going to be a tough team to beat. Their bullpen is definitely top three in the league, in my opinion. Haters just lights out. Jeffries is lights out. And, yeah, so it's like we need to get on top of them early so we can't get to their bullpen and we can have a good beat when they go to their bullpen. So, yeah, so it's like we need to capitalize on these teams, like, losing. Like, the Nationals are losing to the Rockies. Like, that's, that's a tough series, don't get me wrong. But we need to capitalize on these teams losing. So I'm sorry, but um, if we capitalize on these better teams, as I stated before, when when we get to the weaker teams, I'll just be, make our record a lot better. But yeah, coming out of Philly is gonna be definitely, definitely a, definitely like um, what's called a wake up call since we lost the last game six to nothing, which is ridiculous in my opinion. Vargas pitched a heck of an outing, for, not a heck of an outing, but I'd say very good for him. He could have definitely finished the inning, but um, I don't think Dave Island and Mickey Cowboy had trust in him. But, yeah, so it's, this is definitely going to be a must-win series for us. We need to at least take two out of uh, – we can't get swept. That's the main part of what I'm trying to say. If we win more – what's called? If we win um, – what's called? If we win two out of three, that would be the best-case scenario. We're definitely not sweeping them, just being realistic. Uh, it'd be,
0: you You should you should never have that, like, attitude, especially going into a series. Because, you know, yeah. even the worst teams in the league win many games a year. Miami, they're gonna most likely beat the Mets this year. You know, and, you know, it's, it's talk, I'm talking of Miami. You know, we like you said, we've had a really tough schedule. But the one thing I'm happy is a one series against Miami, which is supposed to be you know, easy three games. We got easy couple, of nice easy three wins. You know what I mean? So that that was that was good to see. You know, St. Louis. I wish we could have won one more game over there. Like it, it was, um, it was plausible, but yeah we didn't. But I, I I believe I think that's the one series we've even lost this year. Philadelphia we won. Washington we won. You know, Miami we won. All these all these teams we've been playing really well. We've almost I, I believe we haven't besides Miami, we haven't swept anyone. So I feel like besides St. Louis and Miami we've just pretty much gone two out of three each time. Which is you know, which is it's all right. So daily we're time for this topic we're going to jump into a
2: commercial break
0: and going to be talking
2: hey guys this is benson from bucko booth also producer here on this show just want to make sure you tune in new episode of bucko booth this saturday at noon eastern we have a lot to get into with Gold Tucker's debut coming and him seemingly being the shortstop of the future, we're going to take a look to the minor leagues and see who's coming up after him. O'Neill Cruz, who they acquired in the Tony Watson trade, has been raking in the minors. When will he make his way to Pittsburgh? And with the recent three game skid and the inability to score runs, should Pirates fans believe we dive into that? Is this the year of the bucko? And the struggles with runners in square position. How can the Pirates fix that? When is Corey Dickerson and Starling Marte coming back? All this and much more on this week's episode of Bucko Booth. You don't want to miss it. Saturday, noon Eastern. I'll let you get back to this show, but don't miss it. Saturday, noon Eastern, Bucko Booth. See you there.
1: Okay, and we're back. And we're going to jump straight into the Jacob Rame situation. If you haven't heard it, Jacob Rame, Reese Hoskins. Things have been getting very interesting. It all started two days ago when we were up six, no, nine-nothing, excuse me, after Wheeler had a home run and everything like that. He had a phenomenal outing. But it doesn't really go there. It goes the day before when Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil got thrown up and in, both ready and lefty batters. So so I think the Phillies are taking it offensively because they think we're trying to retaliate for that. So Jacob Rame last night, Ninth inning, we're up by nine. Cold night. What does he do? Throw it up and in first pitch on Reese Hoskins, their best player. <clears throat> he did not hit him. He just threw it up and in. 3-2 count, a few pitches later, up and in. Reese Hoskins flips out. What What are your thoughts on this, Sal?
0: You know, um, it almost eerily reminds me of the whole Acuna situation. Um, back last year when, when he was hit by the Marlins pitcher, you know, but, you know, just by how, just by how, almost how big of a deal it was made when it really wasn't, I feel like, you know, this, especially baseball has become, this is why they get the rep of not being a tough sport you know, because if you pitch up and in, I understand, you know, the ball is going fast, it can hurt you, especially just someone, you know, it happens with Acuna where, you know, God forbid it, it hit his, Hit his head like have with fans, you know. It, you know, luckily it didn't ruin fans' career, but you know it obviously didn't help him. But I feel like two game suspension. I feel like frankly to give a two game suspension. What is the point of giving him the suspension? He's a bullpen pitcher. He's he's a. It's not like where he's. At, it's not like they be suspending Edwin Diaz over here or suspending Jacob Reim. he Doesn't even play if we're in the you know in a close ball game. You know what I mean? um. You know, I feel like Mims also to be the majors with 15 hit batters. You know, um, you know we get hit a lot. You know, especially guys like Mims and McNeil who are <clears throat> they just they look to get on base any ways they can. So if they see a ball coming up and in, they're gonna to try to get hit. You know, that's just how they play. You know, but I feel like you know an in is a good way to actually hit it off. You know what I mean? Players are getting too comfortable at to the play these days. Because God forbid they get they pitch up and in you know, they're going to get suspended. So, I don't know. I'm I'm really just shocked that they suspended him. Do you think he deserves the suspension? Or do you think they should have given him a longer one?
1: I do not think he deserves the suspension. He obviously threw it up and in twice on him, which they they could definitely think it was a retaliation pitch. But did it hit him? Did it hurt him? Is he injured? No, he's not. So, I don't see what the problem is. Reese Hoskins overreacted. But I I can see what they're saying. It's not good to throw anyone intentionally. But if it didn't hit him injured or anything, there's no there's really no damage or anything. Rain was just trying to protect his teammates and all that. It's baseball. We're, we're getting sick of throwing. Up. We're getting sick of like getting hit. So I I don't think throwing up and in on one batter should make a big deal. And obviously it's Jacob Raymond, It doesn't really matter. But now he has to be in the major league for that suspension. So we're down one reliever for two games against the Brewers, which is definitely going to be a tough series. So that's that's why I'm a little angry about the suspension. I don't think he deserved it. I, I, it God forbid it's not one of our top relievers we spent millions on, such as Amelia Wilson and Diaz or Seth Lugo or Deselman or any of those guys like that who will definitely need against the Brewers. But I think it's just MLB's throwing around way too many suspensions that aren't too needed, such as the Tim Anderson one earlier in the year. But, yeah, what, that's what I think about this. I don't think it's, it was needed, I think. Maybe MLB talks to him about it or something like that. But in the interview, he said he had no intentions of doing it. But um, Reese Hoskins he, last night he retaliated. He got a home run and took 34 seconds, which is kind of like super step, But He does not deserve. He doesn't deserve a, a suspension. But I, I don't see what the problem is. Ray didn't throw him last night, so there's no there's no need for suspension if Reese Hoskins hit a home run off him, and it just. Raymond re- He didn't throw one pitch near Reese Hoskins last night, so I don't see what the problem was to give him the suspension. I don't think it wasn't needed. That's my thoughts on
0: it. Yeah, you know, I mentioned this before. Players like um, Justin Turner, who especially like the ball um, down and in or up. I mean, it's not down and in. Excuse me, down and away and up and away. They're like, if they pitchers if don't just throw up and in or down and into them, they really can't hit the ball. There's a reason Justin Turner, you know, someone like him wasn't been good, they need to. You know, and you see Sinner do this a lot. Um, he's one of the guys who isn't scared to throw um, fastballs inside. You know, she really, you know, she, that's why Sinner is one of the, the really good pitcher because he throws um, inside and demands the backer to get off, you know, back off the plate. You know, and I feel like, and guess what? Even if it was intentional, like I feel like players need to, you know, you know, you know people have, you know, a lot of old school players. A lot of old school people, uh, baseball fans would have rather him get hit because you know people are just like that. You know it's a thing. You know it's a it's almost um, unwritten rule of baseball. You know when someone's seen too good, on that little thing with Acuna. You know you hit them, and Hoskins was on a tear. And you know I feel like if they would hit him, I would have been happy. If there was a brawl in Philadelphia, if there was a brawl at City Field, I would have loved that. So at least from a fan standpoint, I feel like it was not a big deal. And I I understand if. Oh, the guys over at the, the Phillies there, you know, mad at Jacob Brame and mad at us Mets fans. You know, I feel like, what are you going to do? I feel like, you know, he was throwing up to them. Even if it was intentional, I couldn't care less because it's Jacob Brahm. And if you would have told me two months ago, he was pu- public enemy number one in Philadelphia. That goofy face was being targeted by all Phillies fans. I would have left. you. So, that's what I got to say.
1: Yeah, so I think we're we're gonna jump into our final topic, which I believe is one of the most important ones of this episode. It's gonna be about our winning formula. So, go, winning formula going into the Brewers series, one of the best teams in baseball right now. Um, they haven't had the best record, but they've get they've been getting a little unlucky in my opinion. So um, I think the as I said before, what we need to do is a score early. We need to attack them early. They don't have a good pitching staff. Like They just signed Gio Gonzalez, but they don't have a really good pitching staff. They have a great bullpen, so if we attack them early and get a lot of runs in the first few innings before they can get the hater, before they can put in Jeffries to close it, we need to attack early so those guys can't shut us down. But those are two guys I don't want to face once a one-run game.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like 20, um, also to the lineup, the way Mickey Cowley has structured his lineup, you know, um, McNeil is hitting... Oh, it's hitting for a higher average. The thing about Nimmo is he's more of a on-base guy where McNeil is just swing and um, try to hit the ball type of guy. And, you know, you know, like I said, Nimmo, you know, walks more, breaks up the plate, gets hit by pitches more. You know, it's really tempting to bat McNeil first or even third the way he's been hitting. But they kept him at second, and he's been producing there. You know Nemo stated um, Nemo stated first he's picked it up third he's picked it up you know and the whole so with um the way they structure it going you know righty lefty righty um, you know I really don't see but the one thing it does do sorry about that the one thing it does do is it creates depth so confortable by fifth which arguably a guy that came at third and then you have Ramos fourth. Um, You know, the thing is, you know, we're almost with speed, obviously, but then you have six would be, let's see, six would go to, Tim, help me out here. Who would, six would go to, six would go to, six would go to, who would six? Oh, six would go to, um, Alonzo, or if they had McNeil there that day. I blanked out there. And then they'd have seven, which is now Todd Frazier, and Maddie's back from injury. Eight would go to Rosario, and then, um, you know, nine go to um nine go to a pitcher, and which I feel like with with that lineup, you know, you could have a you could make a top heavy, you know, um, top heavy uh, a lineup. You know, you could bat McNeil, Alonzo, Cano, Ramos, Caputo, and then have you know the bottom. But they don't. You know, they they really spread it out. So it's really, you know, you going up there, you got Nemo. You know, like you you almost have it. Doesn't matter. If it's 1-2-3 or 7-8-9, not really 9, but, you know, 6-7-8, um, let's say, or 1-2-3, you know all those guys are going to get hit. Or at least have the possibility to get hit. That's You know, that's the problem with having, you know, someone like Thomas Nitto or Ligaris play. Almost ruins that, um, you know, lineup depth, which is um, mm-hmm. very underrated. You know, baseball is not a – I mean, baseball is a team sport. You can't just go out and pay a guy a, – Million dollars and suddenly, uh, you know, they're good again. Mm-hmm. That's what the Philly fans think that's going to happen, they're paying Harper $300 million. But, you know, it hasn't translated to their top five year yet. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, it's a team sport and having a deep lineup is very important and you need that. You know, having a deep team in general, you know, we have a lot of bench depth. We, we, at least in ball, we have a lot of bullpen depth, which I think we still do. We do. Camille is going to bounce back. The move are going to bounce back this series. You can count on it. Um, Wilson's on a ten-day deal, but he'll be back soon. And he pitched good when he was uh, healthy. The Math, and Vargas had good um games, and the Gromas in the guard are just, plus in the guard are just second-half pitchers So it's um, so, so very much. But um, you know, I think that's, that's the only big part of our team is is the lineup and how how we get structured. That's very undervalued skill that Kelsey Callaway has shown to um shown to do has shown to do you know time and time again his was constructed very good lineups, very interesting lineups too. And sometimes batting Alonzo second or batting McNeil second. But I mean, you know, especially um, another thing is very important. of going on and on here is defensive alignment. Um, you know, they could have batted, make the student they batted had McNeil in second base when you know when they were when you know on just like Westin, you know, when just kind of whatever. But they kept them left because they wanted to get used to it. And the store a couple of days ago to rate Cannon to home plate when someone's trying to when someone's trying to go to home. You know, that, that's called development. You know, that's, you got to stick with him because if you do not and you keep him at, let's say he plays left field seventy games and, you know, a com- combination of third and second and they're like 90, what happens is the Mets go to the playoffs, which we are going to do, that's the plan, and we are going to go to the playoffs this year and we're going to win. Um, you know, and then what happens is, let's say he only played 70 games instead of the 140 or 130, so, you know, they'll put him at third and second or whatever on rest days. Um, you know, you have to put in there those games because, you know, in the playoffs, let's say, you know, if that would never have happened, maybe would we maybe we would never have had that out. You know, maybe you know, maybe McNeil made a good defensive play. You know, it comes with time. So what what's another thing that you think the Mets need to do to succeed in this series especially against Milwaukee?
1: Um, as I said, we need to do attack early. We need to as they have a great offense, Chris you know, Lorenzo Lorenzo all these guys, like Christian Yelich, all all these guys, Hazy uh, Aguilar. This is a deadly line, so we need to we need to uh, try to uh, avoid as much contact as we can. We need to try and take our chances with break uh, payoff pitches. We need to get strike three on all all of them. Uh, I know that's a generic uh, game plan, and you may ask, how do we do that? I think we just have to attack them early. We can't we can't waste any pitches on them. We just need to attack, them. we need to maybe work in the council a little bit, but. We need to, like, be patient and all that. So, um, so we we obviously need good pitching. We need a great bullpen. We can't have any mistakes in the bullpen to blow any of these games. These are big games that are going to be make-or-break games in the future for the NLE standings.
0: So, just, really, we have only one more minute here. But one thing we do need to um, worry about is, obviously, the Mets, we have a young court, but we also have some aging guys and big guys, and Chanel and Ramos. And they really do need to step up defensively, as much as our uh, as much as our young as much as our young guys do, like our young and McNeil. So we really need to play. We need we really the Mets need to help Cano, especially because he's an OBI, You know, as, as as you know, you know that's one thing about having you know McNeil left is you know Cano is not as good defensively as McNeil was. You know, as good as McNeil offensively, he is a really good defensively. There's a reason he could play left field and second base because. You know, he's really good defensively. So I feel oh, like, was, you know, yeah. Cannell has to work on a defense. and So does Ramos. And I feel like um, that'll come with time. And, you know, the mm-hmm. chemistry yeah. between them and the shortstops, you know, him at their base and Alonzo. But I feel like the mixture of veterans and young guys, that is that mm-hmm. is key to winning championships. That's, that's right. um, You know? Yeah. But that's that we we'll
1: um, have. I'll take us out. Oh, um, sadly, this that's all the time we have for tonight's game or er, show. Um, if you haven't checked out our sub yard code, you can get ten dollars off your first purchase. BPN ten. That'll get that'll be a big help to us. And yeah, so if you want to save money and help us out and you respect our grind, just use that code and that'll be great for us. And um, if you guys haven't checked out our shirts and all that, we have a good merchandise store where you guys can check out the latest and pretty cool. Um, let's that's merchandise and all that, so yeah, we really appreciate it, and, and we 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 would love you guys if you guys could uh, check out our merchandise store, and yeah, that would help us out a lot. So um, so it was a great episode, Sal. Um, it was great being on this episode once again. So um, yeah, uh,
0: uh, and Uh, you know, yeah, it really does. Like what um, you know, Tim said, it really does help us out, and really just helps me, Tim Benson, all the other guys from each podcast. It really helps us out if you guys would just, you know, use the use code PPN ten, check out our website. You know, it it really does help us out. You know, we're really just grinding here and trying to try and really make every last penny. So, um it it really would help if you guys did that for us. And um Sorry, you know you we'll me. uh See you later. Okay. we'll yeah, like I said, yeah, we've run out of time, but um we'll uh we'll talk to you guys later.
2: Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fector. Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Tim, at Mets.Station, and Sal, at Sal.Mosca5. That's M-O-S-C-A-5. Follow the Amazing Mets on Instagram as well, at Mets Podcast. For more Amazing Mets content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. Follow the official Baseball Podcast Network social media accounts. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, at Podcast one That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.